Hi. Hi. You're listening to Trendy Lobotomy Podcast. I'm Tori. I'm Christy. And I did not fuck that up. This time. (laughs) (laughs) Very true. At least as far as the editing knows. (laughs) I mean, hell, we could probably give Patreon folks a... (laughs) extended episode i don't know why they want to listen to that shit but um anyways i get to go first this time welcome back yeah it's been it's been a few weeks since we've been in i know it's because we i know it's weird it's the end of the school year for me it's the end of the school year for you and and life happens yes once again we got lives so yes we do mine's about to get a little easier at Uh. least for the next couple months <laughs> oh well there you go yeah that's true you get you get a reprieve i get a little bit of a reprieve and then well kind of ish just without the the children in my classroom and it's, that's that's kind of my reprieve but we'll be doing classroom switchovers and all the other random assorted shit that goes along yeah. with teaching yeah i can't go into the building for a while because we're apparently Maybe getting new floors. I don't know. We'll see. But yeah. Oh, fun. Mm-hmm. No. All the fun stuff. Oh, trust me. I've like <laughs> I understand the moving classrooms because yeah, I've had, had to, to do the moving unit. units. Yeah. Which is a pain in the butt. All right. Tell me a story, Tori. All right. So this episode, just FYI, this is not big stories. Nope. We have a and now some for something completely <laughs> different. Where we've got a grab bag episode. Itty bitty stories. Itty bitty stories. And hell, we'll start in Indiana because I've got three little ones. Cool. Both of mine are in Indiana. So Mine, one's in Indiana, one's in Illinois, and one is in Oregon. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Like, we run the gamut. (laughs) (laughs) The Indiana one is like nothing. Okay. So a new, like, thing for me because we had cemeteries, which – Continues on smartly. Yeah. We have uh, battlefields. battlefields, which continues on smartly, and state parks or national parks. Pick one. Okay. So there is a state park that I had no clue existed in Indiana called Potato Creek State Park. And it is in North Liberty, Indiana. And it is 12 miles southwest of South Bend. So it's up in St. Joe County. Okay. So it's up. That explains why I've never heard of it. Yeah, it's up it's, north that yeah. we don't go to I that. I don't go up north a lot. I don't either. My sources were in.gov and onlyinyourstate.com. Yay. And the way I found it was I was – this was this is an odd story and I'm going to sidebar real quick. Okay. I was listening to a podcast and it was talking about a serial killer. I looked up – the city that they were from and ended up in a state park rabbit hole. <laughs> That's the only way to describe it. And ended up with, was like, let's look up haunted state parks. That's and it was like it Potato Creek State Park. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? And well, I'll tell you. Okay. Uh, the first European settlement was up there in 1830s. It was, it's called Potato Creek because the indigenous people collected, and there's, air quotes here, wild potatoes from the creek banks. Okay. And they were moved out when they did the whole white people suck game Mm -hmm. and kicked everybody out of their homes, basically. Yeah. It is a, there is now 
a 327-acre Lake Worcester there. Okay. They have, like, hiking and camping and fishing and kayaking and all the things that you can do in a state park. Apparently, and this was, like, several things, it is the premier birding destination for Indiana state parks. Okay. I was like, I'll put that down there. I have no clue what that says. What happened? People that listen to us that like to go birding. Um, well, apparently, Potato Creek State Park. I know is a place to go. At least one of our friends who maybe listens. I don't know if she really does or not. Her parents love to go birding. Well, so. hopefully, they've heard of Potato Creek State Park. Or if not, maybe it's new. All right. Um, what it was was we kicked the indigenous people out, and then we farmed the fuck out of all of the land around it. And I mean. Not shocking. So what we did with the rest of Indiana. Exactly. Okay, cool. All right? But now, apparently in the mid-90s, there was a big push, push to return the land to, like, the actual natural habitat, not just a field. What? Right? Indiana wetlands, what? Exactly. In <laughs> fact, there is a, uh, in the one corner of the park, it's the Swamp Rose Nature Preserve. Ooh. Also... We used to have a wetlands preserve here. We did. And now it is a it's, old folks home. Yeah. Seriously, that's Thanks. Thanks, brainless. Yeah. Uh, <sighs> apparently, there is a pioneer cemetery in the middle of this park uh, called mm-hmm. Porter Cemetery. They keep on going back to... So, they're, the wildlife, they've, it, they've kicked it back up to more of the original habitats now. Okay. Okay, I didn't see very much. There was not a lot of history that I could glean from this. From anything. Right? So my blue ink is very small. (laughs) But it's apparently one of the most haunted parks in in Indiana. And from the creek, you can hear kids screaming and thrashing in the water that they think this is from Pioneer Days. You also, I went back and there was something else that I looked on and it, you can sometimes hear the moms yelling for the kids. Ew. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't wanna. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. It's your favorite is kid ghosts. Kid ghosts. Uh, there is apparently there's people feel like somebody's behind them the whole time they're in the park. Look around. Nobody's there. So that's always a great. Way to, yeah, because like if you get creeped out in nature, don't fucking go here. (laughs) That's what that is just saying to me right there. They hear a woman weeping at the lake, but I think the lake might be man made or they, I'm not sure. I wasn't able to figure it out and wasn't going to look for that deeper, yeah, much deeper. Um, apparently. There was uh, armed clashes between the indigenous people and the settlers. Not surprising. What? White people suck. One more time. I'll say it again, just for those in the back that didn't hear me. White people suck. <laughs> and yes, we are totally white. And yeah, we're, we're aware. We do we're better. Aware. Right? We're trying. Yeah. So they, they see people like hiding in the trees. <laughs> And then, of course, you turn around and you t- try and take a really good look. At- gone. Gone. Per usual. Like, this is the whole, like, once again, if you get creeped out in the woods, not the woods to go to. Just period. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now, in the cemetery, here's a fun one. Uh, they will see people, and this sounds like, and it's Indiana, and we're on a shitload of limestone, so this is a lot of stone tape. Yep. They see people wandering in the cemetery, and they will, like, you look on them straight up, and they'll disappear. You look, like, look away, and then look again, and they're back wandering the same path. So that's straight up a replay. Yeah. Which, I mean... That's nothing to be scared of, seriously. Yeah. That's just replay. It's, I'm sure, unnerving as fuck, but that's not anything. But then also in the cemetery, there was a couple little stories from the cemetery. You see the replay, unseen hands touching your face and hair. No. <laughs> no, I do not. <laughs> right? Okay. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Christie's no land. <laughs> um, and then Christie has a large plot of no land. I think like, you've got your own nature preserve of no. <laughs> yes, yes, I do. You've cultivated this all For the years. fields of no. Um, people get chased out, like seriously chased out of the cemetery. <laughs> when they look back, nothing's there. Of course, of course, and that's it. Awesome. I told you that was like a little blurb, but it was like, okay. Awesome. Well, you, we, do we want to? We can go back and forth. Okay, let's go back and forth. All right, Christy's turn. We're going to call this Little Sode. There you go, <laughs> rather than Mega Sode. Rather than Mega Sode, rather than Mega Sode. So I'm going to talk about the Star Piano Factory. It's in Richmond. Okay. Um, my sources are... This is just a really weird name. Mr. Linfo. Dot org. <laughs> okay. That's how it's spelled. I don't know if that's actually <coughs> how it's supposed to be said. But yeah, okay. Uh, publichistory.iupui.edu. IndianaHauntedHouses.com. AlwaysRelevantDigital.com. HauntedPlaces.org. AtlasObscura.com. And suck it stickers. I had to go on Wikipedia for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, so the Star Piano Factory, like I said, it's in Richmond, Indiana. It started as the Trazer Piano Company in 1872. It was opened by John Trazer, who was a piano maker from Ripley, Ohio. Okay. He opened this with um, a man named James Starr. In, 19, or in 1878... It reorganized as Chase Piano Company, and at that point, Benjamin Starr, James's brother, came on. Okay. In 1884, they bought 23 acres in the Whitewater Valley Gorge and built a six-story factory that was powered by the river. Okay. So this was huge. Right. Um, in 1893, it became the Starr Piano Company and became one of the biggest employers in the Richmond area. Okay. The property was 35 acres. There were 24 buildings. They hired newly arrived woodworkers from Germany, and they produced pianos and player pianos. Okay. So in the 1920s, they started manufacturing phonographs. At the time, because the phonograph was relatively new, Uh companies like RCA and those other companies, they're 
records were specific to their machines. Oh, okay. Okay. So it was kind of proprietary. So it was like, you can't buy a PlayStation 5 and put an Xbox disc in it. Oh, that's still, yeah. You know, and it's the the equivalent of the time. Um, So they started producing their own records. Right. This became the Gennett Records Division, and it was a big deal. Okay. They recorded early jazz, blues, and country artists. There's a really big list here. Louis Armstrong, Jelly Roll Morton. These are just the ones that I knew. Wow. Um, Hoagie Carmichael, Gene Autry, Artie Shaw, Lawrence Welk, Jimmy Durante, Guy Lombardo, Duke Ellington, and the spoken word sermons of William Jennings Bryan. Okay. Um, Damn, that's like, they've got some... Yeah, and those were just the ones I knew. knew. Right. There's a bunch of people that, like... That are apparently big in the jazz, early jazz world, early okay. blues world, that probably other people would know that I, I had no clue who they were. Right. So, um, sorry, I should probably sit close to the mic. <laughs> Richmond was sometimes referred to as the birthplace of recorded jazz. It was one of the earliest recording companies to record both black and Caucasian musical styles. Hey, But... Anyone could record if they had the money. Oh, of course. Including the KKK. They didn't have any association with the KKK, but, but they did allow them to record them well, and because they had money. Yeah, and it's Indiana, and we had... Yeah. So eventually, declining record sales and the Depression ended Gennett. Star continued making radio cabinets and refrigerators, and then the complex kind of fell into disrepair. Right. Uh, by the 1970s, demolition had reduced the factory to a few structures, including the smokestack. Okay. Um, and there is a shell of a building that has the shadow of the Gennett Rec- Records logo on it. Okay. Gus has opinions. Well, he has opinions on a lot of things. Uh, so they... Um, Formed the Star Gennett Foundation, which was part of the Richmond's Park, Richmond Parks Department. Okay. They, or they worked with the Richmond Parks Department to develop Whitewater Gorge. So that logo building has been stabilized and turned into an open-air amphitheater. Oh, that's cool. They also have a walk of fa- fame, um, which is along the entrance to the old factory site. And the sidewalk is embedded with plaques that are uh, 78 shellac discs. Okay. And new members are added every year. And that's kind of where I had to go to Wikipedia because there's a whole list of who's on the Oh, gotcha. Okay. Um, But I'm not going to go into the whole list, but. Right. Yeah. So the hauntings. Yay. So Do you use a different font for the hauntings? Uh, no, I didn't. But oh, okay. It, it did something weird. Okay. Sorry. Um, So there were reports of footsteps and voices. There is a phantom truck that can be seen at a loading dock. There are cold spots. And it was apparently haunted while the factory was still in operation. And that's why there's a different font there. Oh, okay, okay. Because there is – I'm going to read a story from the Richmond Item from December 12th, 1912. Okay. So – It said, a ghost which has appeared frequently is striking terror into the hearts of the girls and women and the more timid of the men working nights at the Star Piano Factory. 
The Phantom has made his appearance for the past week between the hours of 6 and 8 when the employees are going about their work. The spirit has been has been seen several times in the lighter parts of the shop, and on approach of anyone, it flees to some darker parts of the factory, which are then idle. Okay. There are several descriptions as to the dress and size of the spirit. Those most alarmed credit the ghost credited the ghost with being very tall, without arms, and having an unusually small head. Okay. Whoop! Thunderstorm. Ooh. In which are two remarkable eyes, which throw off a light comparable to that given by pocket flashlights. Okay. Another employee who has seen the spirit on different nights says that the phantom each time was dressed in white and is without arms or head, and his description of the eyes tallies with that given by others. Okay. On one of his visits, the ghost met met a reception from one of the watchmen. The watchman saw his white form in the doorway leading to a covered bridge between two of the buildings. Drawing his revolver, he proceeded to the door, only to see the ghost moving at an astonishing rate of speed across the bridge. The watchman fired twice at the retreating figure and then went forward to see if any damage had been done. Dude, run. The ghost was not to be found, but the bullets were found embedded in the side of the bridge. The ghost has been seen in various parts of the shop, but mostly in the vicinity of the covered bridge leading across the street from one building to the other and in the door of the engine room. The employees of League Together are are determined to get the Phantom. Okay. And that's the end of the story. (laughs) (laughs) They're going to get him. They're going to get him. So that's Star Piano Factory. Okay. (laughs) All right. You know, I will say this. Like, okay, we like weird things anyway. God damn it. I know. There's like a cobweb, right? I think I got it. I think I got it. I think I got it. Okay, cool. Okay. Um. I will say, like, we like weird things anyway. Yeah. And we like, we did random Indiana, and we have always looked for strange things wherever we're going yes. to look at. Be like, we saw this. <laughs> Nobody else is going to give a shit about this, but, but we, we did. saw it. <laughs> we did, and we liked it. The cool thing about doing the podcast is that. Did I just lose one of my We've pages? got a thunderstorm? Yeah, no. Uh, that we <laughs> While we're telling these stories? Right. We find all sorts of little weird stuff. So wherever we're going, we can do a side quest. <laughs> and be right? like, we saw this. It was weird. I don't know why else. Nobody cares. All right. But we do. So, but yeah, I just realized that, oh, next time we're in Richmond. I don't think we're going to be in Richmond anytime, anytime soon. soon. But... Um, I mean, you might be if you're driving to Ohio anytime soon, so. Uh, that's true. I can check off more on our Atlas Obscura. <laughs> you know how much, like, I go in there when I'm bored, at, like, on <laughs> a like, smoke break at work? I want to go here. I'm like, well, let's try this state. I've been to this state. What else, What have I seen in this state? And, like, literally. And what have I missed? <laughs> what have I missed? Yeah. yeah. Next time we go, I need to look at this. Right? Um. Okay, so let's go to Chicago. All right, let's go right now. In the middle of the st- thunderstorm? Yeah. No. With these gas prices? Uh, no. Um, so we're going to Lincoln Park and the Lincoln Park Zoo by extension. Okay? So uh, my uh, sources for this one were lpzoo.org. Choose Chicago.com, IllinoisHauntedHouses.com, ChicagoNow.com, ChicagoHauntings.com. Okay. 
So, and we've talked about this. Both of us have talked about Chicago cemeteries. Mm-hmm. You did Graceland, and yes. I did a couple other ones. Uh, I did Rose Hill, didn't I? I think so. I think so, too. And I said I was going to probably touch on Fort Douglas and the... the um, future but i haven't this goes back to it but old chicago cemetery yes which was in the middle of what is now lincoln park yes it was there from 1843 to 1859 there were 35,000 burials Mm -hmm. up to 12,000 remain there to this day yep (laughs) so now because what one of the problems was, was that the Great Fire, mm-hmm. a lot of times we don't think about this because of what we're used to seeing, but grave markers weren't always stone. No. And guess what? They have been a couple of, like a good chunk of the time, wood. Good. So, um... Fire burns wood and the Great Chicago Fire ripped through it... it Remember, it yeah. wasn't like the Iroquois fire was worse than the Great Chicago fire in terms of human lives, but the Great, Great. Fire killed Took so much city. oh so like, much property. Out, yeah. Chicago Cemetery, like City Cemetery being one. And apparently it wrecked. Like it took out gravestone, like grave markers. It was so hot, it busted up mausoleums, right? And people fled there because it's open. Yeah. Well, so the Great Fire did, so a lot of those graves that they lost weren't necessarily marked anymore because of the fire. Mm -hmm. That and like the, they're pretty sure, I I thought this was great, Uh, about four thousand confederate graves from fort douglas mm-hmm. are they basically they think they're underneath the baseball diamonds in lincoln park that that's where they think they are but they're pretty sure they didn't <laughs> fucking move them um there's an if they build it uh, well, I mean, <laughs> joke it, in there somewhere, and I'm just if, gonna leave if, it alone. If Confederates <laughs> played baseball, I guess. Okay, so that would be that. So, in the Lincoln Park Zoo is there too, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. The Lincoln Park Zoo, and I looked up because I was for some reason had it in my head that all of them, the Lincoln Park Zoo was over where it was. No, it's just the whole fucking park. I, I had my head was incorrect in thinking until I started looking this up and went, oh, right. (laughs) Oops. But the Lincoln Park Zoo was founded in 1868. Remember, burial ceased in 1859. Yeah. The park was, uh, Lincoln Park Zoo was founded in 1868. It is the fourth oldest zoo in the U.S. It is the only privately owned, managed or privately managed free zoo in the U.S. Okay. It started with two pairs of trumpeter swans from New York. Okay. They came from Central Park, and they were donated to Lincoln Park. Okay. So that was what the zoo started out with in 1868. This is random stuff because Mm -hmm. I was in the Lincoln Park Zoo thing. Uh, In 1870, 
the first animal house opened. In 1878, apparently the board decided that the zoo had to stay free. Okay. And it has been since, which is, doesn't happen. No. At all. No, it doesn't. But a, a lot of zoos don't stay free because they do so much conservation work. They now. actually were one of the first zoos in the U.S. to actually get on board with the, there's an accreditation mm-hmm. that they were the first zoo in the U.S. to get. Awesome. So, but the way they've structured it, mm-hmm. actually, like, it, it's built into the... Like, they built it into the zoo to stay free, so they have all these other programs that are funding it. And, and like, a lot of city park stuff, it's continued. Okay. Because I know a lot of, like, Chicago, in in fact, itself has a lot of problems Mm because a lot of their uh, social stuff has gone on under the wayside. But since they are hooked in with the conservation Mm -hmm. efforts, I think that gets funding through programs that way. Okay. So... In 1879, I thought this was hilarious, uh, they had, they made the sea lion pool, Mm -hmm. and the sea lions, sea lions are smart. Yes, they are. Um, They were really good at escaping, and they- It's like the orangutans at Indianapolis. Yeah, well, they, (laughs) well, think about this, the the zoo's in the middle of a city, Uh and so uh, they got out of the zoo proper and ended up (laughs) at a restaurant down the street. (laughs) Apparently, they had a bear cub that would do the same damn thing. Just they wanted off. to go see the site. I, apparently, they had to... There's some bougie animals. <laughs> Actually, back then, it wasn't that bougie. It wasn't bougie. that bougie. Yeah. In 1904, the McCormick Birdhouse opened, and it wasn't called the McCormick Birdhouse back then, but it is. It is the oldest animal house still open today. Okay. So... Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, apparently, the park, the only grave that is still marked that stayed in the park was the Couch Memorial. Okay. It's a huge mausoleum, and there's some weird... I didn't go down the rabbit hole on this one, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of people supposed to be buried in that mausoleum, but then there are grave markers uh, in Rose Hill. Yeah. I, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Couch Memorial. Yep. Yeah. There we go. Weird. Huh, that is weird. Right? So, the, but that is huge, and it's in the middle of the park. Huh. There was, uh, there's a bridge, which is the suicide bridge. I'm not sure. I didn't look into this real yeah. hard, because this was one of those, like, okay, I've totally yeah. mistaken this <laughs> story altogether. So it's kind of jumbled, guys. I apologize. <laughs> um the couch memorial is the only grave still marked in the park. But once again, there's 12,000 souls still under that. Another reason why they closed the city cemetery is because, number one, they're wetlands. And you can't bury people in wetlands because, I mean, it's right off of Lake Michigan. Like, it's, yeah, like, <laughs> they had some people showing back up to the party. <laughs> and that's kind of gross. There was some sanitation issues with dead bodies in the lake, basically. Now, not saying that Lake Michigan didn't have its fair share of dead bodies placed there by numerous other situations. (laughs) 
but actually burying them. Mm. Eh. Okay. Not so much. Not so much. Uh, in 1990 is in 1998 they the apparently the Chicago Historical Museum mm-hmm. or Chicago Chicago History Museum mm-hmm. is in Lincoln Park. Okay. They were doing work to for their parking structure. Uh, apparently during that excavation they found 81 people. So this is like mm-hmm. there are seriously people still under yeah. Lincoln Park. Yeah, yeah. Um there are shitloads of EBPs. There are ghost tours specifically for the park and the zoo and the – here was a little thing that I didn't realize. There's walking tours, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know what else – where else they stop right there that's right around the corner? Where? The Biograph Theater. Ooh. And the alley. So we got some Dillinger action in this little story here with some random shit. Uh, There's a shitload of haunted Chicago tours that will pull up this. Mm -hmm. I didn't get prices or anything because it was like, eh. I I know it was like, I think it one was 29 bucks and starts at eight o'clock every night. Wow. Um, (laughs) Random things. Well, this is Linkin Park. So, but actually, Lincoln Park is kind of, it's uh, mm-hmm. bougie at this point. So EVP is in the park. They will see random <laughs> figures in the park, which could actually just be people in Chicago. EVPs in the park sounds like a weird concert series. I think I've been to that, <laughs> that show. Um, in the Lincoln Park Zoo... They have problems with the doors and lights flashing on and off, which could happen. Uh, there's a lady in the Victoria and Victorian dress that will show up in the lion house and just kind of waltz through things and then disappear. Do, uh, do the lions react to her at all? I don't know. It didn't say anything about the lions react. Like, like not in the like in the enclosure, like in the like walkways. Oh, like, no, like, I don't think she walked through the, but still, like, I don't know. Inquiring minds want to know. It didn't say anything about it. Okay. So I I can't (laughs) tell you whether it happened. Maybe they're cats. They're exactly. See? So they might react to ghosts. I know. Just saying. Uh, there is a, they, and this is back from the 1880s. Mm -hmm. So we're caught. We're back in the day. Apparently, a big white ghostly figure has showed up at the Crouch Mausoleum or Couch Mausoleum since then. So, but doesn't the Couch show up at Roseland too? Like, I, apparently, he shows up all over the city, though. Yeah, I think I remember he does. That. He does. But it's it, been a while. I know. Since I, I know. I did that story, <laughs> and I hadn't yet started my medication. So, well, okay, so. <laughs> Doors open and close, lights flash, EVPs, all that stuff. And then I had a really weird Rose Hill story. Okay. Um, and actually, I think it was at Roselawn or Rose Hill? Is it Roselawn? Rose I don't know. Okay. I, I could have written it down wrong. I Did you could the, have remembered it wrong. Frances Pierce and her daughter were the mother and child statues in the glass. Mm-hmm. She was first interred at City Cemetery before she was moved. Yeah. 
So I there were a bunch of people. I know that were that were moved. They moved everywhere Mm because Graceland. They were yeah, yeah. But they're the ones who on the anniversary of Francis's death, the the yeah glass fills up with white Mm -hmm. mist, and the little girl disappears out of the glass. Right. Yep. So I just thought that was it was like a random that was a mismatch of like eight billion things, but it was like all right, all right. We'll touch Okey-dokey. on that. Okay. So we're back in Indiana. I'm going to okay. talk about New Harmony, Indiana. Oh, shit. Because. Ow. Um, I can. <laughs> it's, it's my podcast and I can. So my sources are indianamuseum.org, archive.curbed.com. Because I can. Because I can. <laughs> Socialwelfare.vcu.edu and legendsofamerica.com. Oh, we've both been on Legends of America several times. Yeah. That's one of the ghost boards. Well, kind of. It, it is, but that's not. Yes. Like, I didn't end up with information from that. So, New Harmony, Indiana was the site of two early American utopian communities. Right. It is part of the Indiana State. Like, the, the, it's, it's part of Indiana State Museum, too. Right. So, it was the site of the Harmony Society, which was started by a man named George Rapp. Now, George Rapp was from Germany. He arrived in the U.S. in 1804 and settled in Pennsylvania. He left Germany um, because they were seeking freedom from religious persecution in Lutheran Germany. Okay. He had a group of people called the Rappites. They settled in Pennsylvania, got 3,000 acres of land outside Pittsburgh, and they named that area Harmony. Okay. They established the Harmony Society in 1805 by signing Articles of Association, and that's what formally established the group in the United States. Okay. And outlined the community rules, including holding all property in common and lifetime care to members. What does this sound like, kids? A cult. (laughs) (laughs) So this group became known as the Harmonists. They were either known as the Rapites or the Harmonists. They're synonymous. Uh Uh-huh. So the Harmonists aspired to lead a sin-free life. They were similar to Shakers in certain beliefs. Uh, They believed that the Bible – that the Bible was humanity's sole authority, the Christian Bible – was humanity's sole authority. They believe the second coming of Christ was imminent. It has been since he was crucified, but anyway. (laughs) Believed that harmony of male and female elements in humanity would be reestablished by their efforts. I didn't understand that part. Like, they didn't really, like, none of the sites really went into that more. That's just a belief that they stated that they had. They're... They created an ordered and very productive community, and their community was completely self-sufficient. They produced a wide variety of goods that were traded in the U.S. and overseas. And in fact, Rapp's adopted son, Frederick, managed the society's business and commercial affairs. Okay. Around 1807 to 1808, most harmonists adopted the practice of celibacy. Okay. There were few marriages among the members. Okay. 
in fact, Rapp's son, Johannes, married in 1807, and that's the last marriage on record until 1817. Jesus. So, like I said, Harmony was pretty successful, successful, but outsiders became suspicious. The area's climate wasn't suitable for growing <laughs> wine grapes, which was part of how they right. made their living. Oh, um, breaking this chair. The cost of land prices was a factor, um, and they ended up selling their first settlement to Abraham Ziegler, who was a Mennonite. Okay. They purchased 20,000 acres on the Wabash River and moved to Indiana in 1814. New Harmony was pretty carefully planned out. So they sent people ahead, like farmers and craftsmen, to get everything ready and establish crops and lay the grid for the village. Right. The land was mostly swamp because Indiana wetlands, duh. And they had to drain it after early settlers died from malaria. And I think, like, they said, like, 250 people died from malaria Oy. before they drained the swamp. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like, maybe 100 people would be your, like, benchmark of maybe right. even – let's just pare that I down could, to, like – I could be wrong on that that figure. I think that, that's what okay. I remember. So in 1819, the community expanded to 20,000 acres. They had over 150 buildings. They earned money from wool carting and their, their wool carting and spinning factory. They had a brewery, a distillery, vineyards, a winery. Um, their textiles and woolens were had a widespread reputation for excellence, um, and they made wines and whiskeys. There were homes for the families. There was a community house dormitory for young single people. They also built a hedge labyrinth that is still there to symbolize the difficult spiritual journey of the harmonists. Okay. So, Rap had another prophecy related to the second coming of Christ. Oh, oh. It also sucked to try to send their products out from Indiana versus the East Coast, and people were more people were starting to migrate west, so it was becoming less isolated. Gotcha. So they moved back to Pennsylvania in 1824 to their final home, which was called Economy. It's now called Old Economy, and it's in Ambridge, Pennsylvania, and it's on the Ohio River. Okay. So in 1905, the community itself was completely dissolved. Um, And the speculation is that the practice of celibacy and several other schisms kind of took out the population. Well, I mean, if you – Like, took the population down. Yeah, like – It was like, why do we ha- – yeah. You're running out of people. <laughs> when they went back to Pennsylvania, they sold the land in Indiana to Robert Owen. Okay. And that happened in 1825. So Robert o- Owen was a wealthy industrial industrialist from Scotland <laughs> <laughs> who had campaigned for social reform all around the UK. He wanted better conditions for workers, limits on child labor, fair pay, and universal education for people of all ages and social classes. How dare he? Bastards. So with his business partner, William McClure, who was a well-respected geologist, they set up this community in New Harmony. And they attracted important scholars like naturalists, geologists, educators, and early feminists. 
Their hope was that they would establish a model community where education and social equality would flourish. And they call um, the, this group ended up being called the Owenites, and the community itself was called the Community of Equality. They established the first free library, uh, a civic drama club, and a public school. The first public school system open to men and women. Oh, cool! Day to day life was kind of a mess, though. <laughs> They weren't able to sustain themselves. There were <laughs> arguments about division of labor. There were disputes about money. And housing and food were in short supply. So the community dissolved in dissolved by 1827. But many of the scientists that they brought in stayed on to continue their work. So New Harmony is still a very active, very educational area. And it's a big area. It draws in artists and all kinds right. of just – Right, right. Yeah. Uh, McClure at one point created a trust that established the Working Men's Institute, which was a library and education center for anyone, but mostly laborers. Oh, that's um, actually was, pretty fucking Yeah, awesome. it was mostly so that laborers could learn about sciences, nature, and history. Because they didn't need to learn that anywhere else because they had a job. Yeah. Which is horseshit. Self-perpetuating so, dumb. The Owen children were pretty big around... New Harmony and across the country, really. Right. Um, so his son, Robert Dale Owen, was a politician. He advocated for universal ed, uh, advocated for women's suffrage and abolitionism at the state level. Hey. He became a congressional representative, and he introduced a bill that established the Smithsonian Institution. Um. His brother, David Dale Owen, conducted some of the first geological surveys of Indiana and picked red sandstone to be used for the Smithsonian building. Nepotism much? Um, his daughter, of Jane course. Dale Owen, established girls' schools. Um, and his son, Richard Dale Owen was a science professor at IU and Purdue. The Owenite influence kind of waned in New Harmony around the Civil War, but people connected to the Owen family and the New Harmony mission kept the town going. Okay. So the town has always kind of flourished. In 1966, New Harmony was listed on the National Register of Historic Places. And that is my story about New Harmony. Oh, okay. <laughs> Cool. Because those utopian communities. You know, we talked about Pullman. We did. And how that didn't work out. That didn't work out. They liked us, though. Yeah, they did. That was so cool. (laughs) I was like, oh, my God. The Pullman Museum gave us a like. What? And we geeked. It was great. Yes. It's like me and my tweets. I'm like, don't, don't, like, listen too closely to the story because I may not have done a good job. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Oh, but... There's more to the New Harmony story, apparently, but we will get into that. Like, I will touch on it a little bit in the next episode. There we go. Could have been a bigger story. Yeah. It is a bigger story. Well, I don't know, because I haven't really looked into it, but it could be a bigger story. More on that to come. More on that to come. Okay. So it might be a blurb that we add in somewhere else, but yeah. I, I know I'm going to touch on it a bit in the next episode. There we go. All right. Ha ha. Okay, last up. Dangle that little carrot. <laughs> um, white, uh, we're going to Oregon. 
Woohoo! Uh, Zach, you probably won't listen to this. No. But I'm covering the White Eagle Saloon and Hotel. <laughs> Which is at 836 North Russell Street in Portland. Okay, my sources are... This is ridiculous. Okay. My sources are hauntedhouses.com, oregonhauntedhouses.com, portlandghost.com. Wonder where I get most of my stories from on here. Oh. Mick... Okay, I'm going to say this wrong. And this is the company that owns this place, and they own a bunch of other hotels in Portland, and their surrounding areas. And it's Mick Menamins. Okay. That's what it looks like, right? Mick Menamins? Menamina. Menamina. All right. Okay. <laughs> um, this, <laughs> Mick this started, at, it was founded in 1905. It was the working class area, Albina. Albina. Okay. Uh, it was started by two Polish immigrants, and I'm so sorry, I'm going to mispronounce, I'm probably going to mispronounce this one guy's name, uh, Barney Sobleski, mm-hmm. and then William Hizirsko. There's a lot of... There's a lot of consonants? A lot of consonants. Uh, n- yeah. No idea. Okay. It'll be in the show notes. Okay. Um... <laughs> This was, and I have talked about uh, the Shanghai Tunnels. Mm-hmm. This was on the waterfront, so it is connected to the tunnels. Okay. Uh, the basement during Prohibition turned into a soda shop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it, air quotes. <laughs> air quotes, yeah. It turned into, well, okay. In... In 1933, it turned in the Hazersko Brothers restaurant and beer parlor. Uh, the William, his son, turned it into the Blue Eagle in World War II. Okay. Was the name of it. In 1949, it was turned into the White Eagle. It was a rock and roll bar. Sweet. Still is to this day. Sweet. Uh, in the 1960s, it was the rowdy type, so this was probably a pretty uh, crazy bar to go to. In the 1970s, uh, Charles Hughes cleaned it up. Mm-hmm. On 1997, it turned it was put on the National Register of Historic Places. Uh, you can still. It once upon a time it was called the Bucket of Blood because of the amount of brawls. Ew. Right? The bar is still open. Cool. You can, in fact, you can, you can look at the, you can look at the menu online. I looked. <laughs> um, you can get. You realize that whether he's driving or at home, <laughs> my boyfriend is currently pulling out his phone looking at the menu <laughs> of this place. <laughs> they they have a beer 101 package cuz this is a hotel, right? Mhm. It did say that. Beer 101 package which you get a room, two flights and a growl or maybe that's just the you get two flights and a growler for 131 bucks. I think you get the room too. Um but the rooms none of the 
Now, here's why Christy probably won't stay there. I don't think Malcolm will either, and I'm not a big fan of what this is going on. It's got the common bathroom. Uh, No. No. (laughs) So you can get a queen with the common bathroom. You can get a full with a common bathroom, or you can get bunk beds. (laughs) So it's like a hostel. Right. No. So... No, probably won't be staying there. No. I bet you it would be a good place to, like, visit. Might might go eat there. Because yeah. I apparently am the queen of fall, finding uh, hole-in-the-wall bars. I, I can, I since I was the map in Chicago, I found a great yeah. pool hall. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, okay, so that was the random information about this place. And this, okay. is, this is one of those that shows up on, like, all of, if you go to, like, Haunted Portland... Mm-hmm. This shows up on every single site. Yeah. So we've got a lot of purple ink going on. Okay. Uh, apparently, because they this was a saloon, there was working girls. Mm-hmm. And Rose, who is a working girl, she was we- is seen weeping in upstairs upstairs rooms. Why are they always named Rose? Don't probably because that they, they didn't tell them their actual names. Actual names. names. So, uh, they hear strange noises in the basement. You get a feeling of being watched. Uh, uh, apparently, the bouncer is in the basement. There's a bouncer that hangs around who's really menacing in the basement. Um, apparently, there is a, a guy in the saloon. I mean, how bad do you have to be to get kicked out by a ghost bouncer? I mean, <laughs> well, apparently, he's kind of scary. I, I don't, I don't, every time I hear about these tunnels in the basement, yeah. I, like, I don't, I don't know that I would want to go down there I would anyway. want to like, go down, but I don't know where I would, like, stay. Yeah. Um, Just hang out. Yeah. Uh, apparently there is a guy named Sam who plays tricks. He backs up toilets. <laughs> uh, play it again, Sam. Uh-huh. He backs up, he was apparently born in the saloon. Nice. So, but he backs up toilets and plays tricks. Okay, cool. Sure, uh, Sam backs up the toilets. Right. There's a ghost <laughs> that pulls on clothes. Um, apparently, in the okay, and here we go. We're going to talk to the about the basement again. I'll go back to there. There's a ghost that pulls on people's clothes in the bar. Um, if you are in the beds, you get touched up in the. Yeah, I know, Christie's. That's. Once again, Christy's farm of no. <laughs> she cultivates no. <laughs> Behold, my field of no. Yeah. Um, apparently on the second floor, doors open and close on their own. In the hallway, the men's room. And the men's room, the, you hear somebody walking the hall and flushing the toilet. Could be Sam. He could be trying to unclog the toilet. I don't uh, know. Uh, uh, chairs move. Apparently, <laughs> the bouncer pushes people down the stairs. This bouncer guy just seems like a nut, a good person. Apparently, utensils and cooking tools will fly around in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I would not want to work there. Like, Dog all the of this. <laughs> uh, me being attacked by a spatula while at work, like, forget it. I'm done. Like, if it was, if somebody was behind the spatula, it'd make sense. Yes. But if it's, if just, it's just by itself, around, yeah. 
forget if, if somebody comes after me See, with a that's calendar my thing with like spirits touching people and like you can't turn around and slug them. Well, there's I'm, nothing there but to hit. I'm, like <laughs> being a ghostly colander coming at me. Like <laughs> honestly, that's just stupid. We don't. Why is that necessary? It's I not. I I don't know. I. I run into walls that have been there forever, so. Yeah, but <laughs> like flying <laughs> kitchen utensils is, I, I would probably blame it on me knocking something over that I didn't, in all honesty. Okay, I understand that. I have absolutely no spatial understanding <laughs> of where I end, so I'm really good at knocking shit over. Body awareness. Uh, yeah, it's, it, it's not, apparently, with me. Uh, apparently the basement, okay, here's where we get kind of shady. It was a brothel. Mm-hmm. And in the basement is where they kept the African-American women, mm. the Asian women, and the sex slaves. Mm. So they'll hear faint music from down there. Apparently the freezers, the freezer door, there's a freezer down there that will open and close on its own. Which would just be crappy because you defrost everything all the time. Hopefully that the ghosts were being energy con- like aware. I don't know. <laughs> um, but people get groped down there and coins fall from the ceiling. What? I mean. Okay. <laughs> coins fall. Like, I, honestly, that's a dick move that's <laughs> flinging change at people. <laughs> So, it's like that game you, we used to play with the pennies. Oh, yeah. Where you just, like, snap them and see how far they could go. And then hit <laughs> random other people in the courtyard. No, fuck. <laughs> I didn't mean to hit them. <laughs> just going to go over here real quick. That and that me. was the White Eagle Saloon and Hotel. <laughs> awesome. And we managed to pull almost an hour out of this. I know. It's, well, we cool. had five little stories. Five little stories. All right. So if you have any stories... Yeah, like us to cover. You can contact us at trendylobotomypodcast at gmail.com. Yep. You can find us on Facebook, on Instagram, at trendy pod, trendy, trendy lobotomy, lobotomy pod. pod. You can find us on Twitter, Twitter. at trendy pod. Yes. Brain just completely. That's okay. It <laughs> froze there. We're on Patreon. You can go and support us. Yes, please. Please. Uh, Yeah, we're on all the podcast apps that matter. Yep. And we'll be back next week. We will be back next week with more stories. Absolutely. (laughs) Bye. We are all the captains of our own brain floats.